Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax, and anything else that's going on, anything else that's got your attention or that you're focusing on, just put it to the side for a moment. You can pick it up later, but for now, let's just give this time to be available to God. Remember that his presence is always around you and in you and with you. You don't need to get his attention. You don't need to be at a certain place with him, a certain level of relationship or you don't have to be anything. Your spirit is one with him right now. If you've been born again, that's what that was all about, was to rejoin your spirit with his spirit, to re-gift you the spirit that is God. He, he is the source and the eternal life, and he is re-gifting it to you. He created you to receive and and live and move and have your being as a spirit. So your soul and your body are the, you know, I hate to use the word temporary, but they are. The eternal part of who you are is your spirit. Now your soul, we have no idea when we receive our soul. We know when we receive our body and when we leave it, but we don't know about our soul. We don't know if, you know, three other things before our existence here on this earth have happened and we had the same soul for two of them, for instance, and same way afterwards. And we want to be open to whatever God wants to teach us about it. Now, one of the things that, um, just to remind you, anything, any concept or idea or imagination, it all came from God. Any new idea, any concept, any, again, any any creative imagination comes from God. Our interpretations of it are often wrong, but... Our enemies are not creative. Only God is creative. Now, our enemies know how to use our imagination against us. And our enemies know how to twist and turn and manipulate us using creativity, using imagination, using, uh, you know, our wonder against us. And so we very often feel, feel, have a reaction, whether it's, you know, putting the creative on a pedestal or pushing it away that, okay, that's not something we're supposed to be involved in. Let me just kind of say that everything is something we are to be involved in if God leads you into that. We don't go into fields that God doesn't lead us to. 
It may look harmless. It may look, you know, it's just a field. But we want to be walking the path with God. And it's not like, you know, it's the end of the world if we start poking our nose into other things. But the whole point being that we have limited time here on this earth. And God wants to accomplish so much in you. He wants to restore your soul. Restore your soul to union with your spirit. And that starts with healing your wounds. Now, who doesn't want to be healed? Well, a lot of us. Your soul. Your soul does not want to be healed. Because your soul, one of the main qualities of your soul is control. Now, for a long time, I always thought that control is a bad thing. You know, that we're supposed to be, you know, our our dependence on God would overwhelm my soulical desire for control of the situation but when you realize that that strength of ability and nature of our soul our soulical nature of control was a gift from god we can start saying it's not a negative thing it's just when we give when we let our control do what it wants when we let that desire for control be on the throne, when we let our soul have free reign in our lives, that's when we deny God his right and ability to heal our soul. So you could say that that control is like a wild horse. God doesn't want to kill the wild horse. He just wants to put a bridle on it, put a bit in its mouth, put a saddle on it, harness it to be able to use its strength, its power, its the ability of your soul that God gave it. God gave you the soul, the mind, will, and emotions that he wanted you to have for his purposes. And here we we sit with our mind right now listening to this and going, okay, well, what is God's purpose? And we've talked about it in broad sweeping terms to bring us into oneness, spirit, soul, and body. But what will that look like? I don't know. You don't know. The only one who's ever achieved, truly achieved, purpose, God's purpose on this earth was Jesus. And he didn't even know. His understanding of his purpose was unfolded before him. Different experiences he had, different encounters with the, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, different encounters he had, over time, he got a greater and greater understanding about his purpose here on this earth. And yet, 
he was one with the Father at all times. So it's no wonder that you and I don't comprehend God's purpose for us here on this this earth. But what I want to encourage you is it doesn't matter if you don't understand it, what it is. Just rest assured that God himself is teaching you and training you and healing you and preparing you for what he has for you, for your next step, just as he did with his son. When he sent Jesus here to be God in the flesh, there was already a plan laid out. You know, that's one reason you can go back and look at the different prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus' walk here on this earth. It's because God the Father already knew the end from the beginning. He didn't go, okay, well, I already said this, you know, a thousand years ago. Now I have to figure out a way for my son to fulfill it. No. Time is nothing to God. God created it. He has complete control over it. It's all happening at the same time for him. But when we're here on this earth, we are, in a, in a sense, there. you know, we are at the mercy of time. We are at the mercy of our enemies. And yet, this is how we learn to overcome them. It's because our soul is, our body is, but our spirit is not. So we're learning to live in the spirit realm, in the supernatural realm, in the physical realm, all at the same time. And we know it can be done because Jesus did it. And we are now in him. But then we come down to the practical. And Jesus learned what he learned very practically. The father, you know, he spent, you know, time with his father all the time. That's how he learned that's how he knew that's how he grew that's how he was healed he learned how to you know he it's not that he was never rejected or wounded he just knew how to go to the father and that's one of the first things we learn is to go to the father you're wounded you're rejected go to god your enemies will stop wounding and rejecting you if every time you do that you go to the Father, because that's the last thing they want. They want to drive your enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they want to drive you from the Father. If instead of running from God, hiding from him, you know, oh, I'm a failure, or I missed it again, or I'm never going to be able to be of use to God, those things drive you from God. If instead you go, okay, God, what's going on here? Help. Is there a wound here? You, is there something you want to talk to me about? What's going on? Help. If instead we turn to him, your, your enemies are going to be flummoxed as to how to drive you from him. And we want them flummoxed. We want our enemies to have, what was it, have nothing to come to us and have no buttons to push. Now, As far as I know, the buttons are always going to be there, but they're going to be short-circuited. The wires aren't going to work. The enemy, just as they did with with Jesus, the devil kept on coming to him. It's not going to stop your enemies from coming to him. But no matter how hard they push those buttons, there's not going to be a reaction. Because you've been healed. 
And that very often is is an overlooked way of, of checking how we're doing. Compared to last year, are there areas in your life where things have changed, where you have greater peace, greater rest or assurance, confidence? Confidence is a big thing. Think about Jesus Christ walking around, doing what he was doing, turning the world upside down, and he was confident in what he was doing. Now, that confidence came from knowing who he was. And that knowledge came from being with his father. And he knew he could trust his father because he had trusted his father. Father had come through for him. Now, we have a a problem sometimes because we have false expectations. We think that, okay, if we're in the center of God's will, this is just an example, nothing bad will happen to us. And so then when something bad happens to us, we either blame God or we blame ourselves or the enemy, but then something must be wrong if something bad happens to us. Well, that's just not true. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Bad things happen, period. You know, when there's an earthquake, Christians die in in an earthquake just as readily as a non-Christian, a non-believer. That's God's purpose and plan for each one of us is not, we're not, immune from the harshness of this life. Now, it's all under God's plan, but his plan is for, he's got as money uh, as persuasive or pervasive of a plan for non-believers as he does for believers. All sheep are in his flock. He is leading and guiding everyone. His love is not, he doesn't love Christians, those who have been born again. He doesn't love us more than those who haven't been brought into the fold yet. He doesn't have two layers of love or three or four. It's his very nature to love and to give that love. That's who he is. That's what he does. And we are on the receiving end. We are just, because we've been born again, we are now spirit, we can acknowledge and receive and appreciate and value and have a relationship with a living God. But that doesn't mean that God loves everyone else any less. God loves Hitler as much as he loves you. That's because it's his nature. It's not dependent on the object or the subject of his love. It's the dependent on the giver of the love. So, and we've talked before about this, it's the same principle as with, with forgiveness. We don't forgive because someone deserves it. 
or because they ask or because we have emotionally released them. It's because that's our new nature to forgive. We forgive because that's who we are. That's what we are. That's part of our nature. It has nothing to do with the other person. That solves a lot of problems. That solves a lot of our, okay, well then, you know, we're free to let them, let the justice system deal with them if a crime has occurred. Or if it's just a, they've been, you know, slighted and are angry with us. Or they're, you know, uh, they take credit for something at work, for instance. You can forgive them just because that's who you are. But then you also recognize, okay, this person is not to be trusted on projects. You can still develop good judgment and make good judgments. has nothing to do with whether you forgive them or not for a slight. And this is part of our soul being healed. Now, some of your wounds you've inherited from your parents and your parents' parents and all the way back. And there's, you know, we could go into how far, how many generations it goes back. I don't think it matters. Just understanding that God knows. God knows what wounds you have. And it doesn't really matter whether they've been inherited or you've received them, you know, yourself. And we get a lot of wounds from when we're very young. God put us here on this earth to be nothing but a great big need. Need everything done for us. You know, think of a little baby. There's, they can't take care of themselves at all. They are, they are fully dependent on someone else for all their needs. And all their needs are never met. Because part of that need is the need for God. And even if they're the perfect parent in every other way, that need, that need for unconditional love, unconditional acceptance and value and, and the love of God, the very presence of God, is not, cannot be given by parents, by family. It can only come from him. So even if you have the perfect parents, there are still needs that weren't met. And God wants it that way. Because if we didn't have unmet needs, we would not need him. And that's one of the ways he draws us. So we've been talking about these solical abilities and where they fit in. And where they fit in with the healing process. And and one thing to really remember is there's no pressure in this. This is not about, okay, I have to get this done. If God gives you, okay, I wanted to work with you about this, and you don't see any progress after 10 years, that's fine. If every time you ask him, it's like, no, we're still working on this, that's fine. If he spends your whole entire life, working on healing one aspect of your soul, that's fine with him. And this is where we can enter into that rest. This is, there's no competition. There's no prize. There's no, you're not going to get, a, you know, a bigger crown because of the more that you had more wounds healed by God 
or that you had more abilities functioning. We're all on God's path that he has laid out for us individually. So we can enjoy the process and rest and be comfortable. This life is short. We can enjoy it. He wants us to. And in fact, that's often one of the ways we can tell whether we are looking to our soul's strength to meet our needs. And our soul is, is stiff-arming God. No, this is, this is an area you can't interfere with. I have this part taken care of. You can take care of all the rest of this stuff, but this part is off limits to you, God. And God said, you know, I think we're going to have a little problem. Because there are no off-limit areas to God. And our cooperation, he's going to do what he's going to do. But our cooperation and, and, and partnering with God in the process brings us comfort and peace and rest and joy. And that warms God's heart. He wants you to enjoy this life. He wants you to be comfortable, to be at peace and rest. Not so other people will be drawn to you, not so not for any other reason other than he loves you. And he doesn't like his people stressed out. Now there are some good t- kinds of stress. If your car is stuck on a railroad truck, uh, train, uh, on a railroad track, and there's a train coming, you're going to feel stress. That's an appropriate stress. Get out of that car. But then your heart rate comes down, even as your car is smashed to bits. Your heart rate comes down. It's okay. You know that. Then what kicks in is oh guilt. You know. Then there's then all the other uh, what you know. What did I do wrong? How did I miss this? You know. All the other everything else kicks in. Our soulical strengths, our wounds, our our rejection. Everything kicks in, or we misinterpret it altogether. But that's all fine, because that's where you're at today. And it's more important that we're at rest and at peace than grateful for what God is doing on a day-to-day basis rather than us trying to measure progress. And again, progress is a time-related word. And who created time but God himself? So God controls time God controls your progress. So it's out of your control. Now there's, you know, we all have bad habits. That's the problem with our soul, is that we will continue a bad habit as long as it works. And this is one of the ways we know this is God knocking on the door saying, okay, we need to deal with this because one of your bad habits stops working. You used to be able to just, let's just say, gut something out. You know, say you've got a a relative or a person in your life that just drives you nuts. 
and you used to just be able to avoid them. And now it turns out you're going to be sharing an office with them. And you're like, how can I possibly do this? They hate me. I can't stand them. How are we going to do this? That's God. He's saying, okay, now there's things that I want to heal in you, free in you, bring peace in you. It's not about the other person. It's about you. And this is an opportunity, a circumstance that God has created to bring you peace and rest and comfort on his terms. So what did we talk about earlier? You turn to God. How am I going to do this? And God says, well, you just sit down right here and let's have a talk about this. Now, very often, we won't see what he's doing. We won't understand what he's doing. But over time, you know, the first six months, the first six years, we're in this situation, and that person just drives us nuts. And they bring out the worst in us. And we get angry and frustrated that, that people are seeing us at our worst. And we blame the other person. And we start finding out all these bad habits that we have. That we didn't, maybe didn't know, maybe didn't see them in this context about blaming others for our behavior. Or all these other things. And it's not that we then go, okay, well, I'm going to try harder. When we try harder, that's your soul trying to do God's job. We turn, we go, okay, God, is there anything I can do? Is there a wound that needs to be healed? Is there, you know, and we start going through our questions. Most of the time, God's just going to say, I'll let you know when it's time for you to be involved. And this is why it's so helpful to be also working on our soul. Since we now understand that the soul is the field, the field that we need to be working on is our soul. God chooses what aspect of our of the field, the soul, that we are working on. And he's going to be working on one field over here, and we're going to be working on another field over here. In our field, we're going to be working on our abilities, but we're all working on the same project. We're planting seeds, we're getting rid of weeds, we're doing whatever is necessary, but it's all on the same, in the same context. We're all out on the farm. We're all doing, working on the same, in the same direction, on the same project. He's just working, doing his own thing. He knows exactly the one thing that needs to be healed or changed or uh, a truth revealed or a lie exposed for what it is. And then he puts his finger on it. And it's done. And it unravels. And then we're over here, and because we're also working on the soul, what's going on in the soul, the abilities that are there. Because, you know, as you start working on your abilities, you're going to run into these bad habits but you're going to run into them in a in the direction that you're that is safe for you you know in your life there are bad habits that you know keep you from you know um handling your finances well 
from being in good relationships with your boss or your family. Those are significant aspects of your life that you go, okay, if I could just fix this, my life would be so much better. If I just didn't get angry, my life would be so much better. If I just didn't have a drinking problem, my life would be so much better. Those are the things God is dealing with. He's letting your your soul fail. Then there are parts of your soul that are not even wounded, but you still have bad habits because of the nature of your soul and its need for control. You know, Jesus, he did not have any wounds in his soul that he didn't take to God to get healed right away. So he didn't develop any bad habits. Yet he still had to learn how his soul worked, how those abilities, how to heal people, how to do miracles, how to turn wine, uh, water into wine. I wonder how many times he, he tried that before it worked. And those are the things that that will help us learn how our soul works. And we learn that by doing it. By reason of use, we learn how our soul works. So we are learning to exercise the power and authority that God has given us in our spirit and in our soul over the supernatural realm, starting with our very own soul, our ourselves so hopefully be encouraged and keep doing your homework i meant to get to some things homework wise and maybe next time we'll start there so uh, thanks continue to send in your feedback and your questions we'll try to address all of them and i try to respond to everyone that, that gets in touch with me so you know, do so at dianeattherainersclub.org or, or through Blog Talk Radio. It's always really good to hear from you. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.